Welcome to the Professor Goodlife Show. This is David Cusson, a.k.a. Professor Goodlife, inviting you to join me as we attempt to define what is the good life. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the success, the failure. What's the recipe for the good life? This week's episode, the topic is friendship. Within the topic of friendship, I'll address loyalty, happiness, as well as sadness. First, when it comes to loyalty, there's a few rules. Now, I know you understand the rules. You probably know them yourself. Just giving you a friendly review, reminder, refresher. First rule. Now, being a guy, I'm coming from a guy's perspective. Lady listeners, come from your perspective. So where I'm coming from, just roll with it. The rules. First, rule number one, without a doubt, bar none. Absolute. Top of the list. Capo de Tucci. Rule number one. You never hit on your buddy's wife, fiance, or girlfriend. I mean never. Why do you think why do you think the mob whacks you for doing so? It's bad for business. It's bad for pleasure. It's the worst. Rule number two. You don't hit on your buddy's ex-wife, ex-fiance, or ex-girlfriend without getting his permission first. How about a little decency? That's your pal. He was in this relationship. He was in love at one time. And now you're going to muscle in, ooze in, squeeze in, feel in? No. You ask him, you go to him, you say, hey, you know, do you mind? I want to take her out to lunch. You okay with that? If he says no, there's other girls out there. If he said he could say, hey, she's all yours. Trust me. <laughs> What's between her legs is awesome. What's between her ears is brutal. So, I mean, that's rule number two. Now, a little lighter, moving in with a friend. You guys are great pals. You've been pals for years. Hey, let's get a place. We'll have parties. We'll have a blast. It'll be awesome for sure. Now, now, seen it too many times. Friends move in together. Enemies move out. Not a good idea. When you move in, you become, you don't know a roommate. You move in with a roommate or, a uh, you know, somebody that's just uh, a casual or, or cordial, whatever. Then you become friends. That's different. But pals moving in together doesn't work. You know, you deal with rent. You deal with being a slob. You deal with, uh, you know, raiding the icebox, taking the other one's food. No, not a good idea. Loaning money. Ben Franklin, you know it. You know, neither a borrower or a lender be. Way to go, Ben. Loaning money. What you know money. I mean, that can that can, that can wreck a friendship from Jump Street easily. Oh man. Especially especially you loan the money and then you need the money and you and you don't want to ask you're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and then you say hey you know dude i got to i i got to get this money back it's been 4 months can you you know and you're not even charging interest 
He's like, dude, man, can you, can't you see what I'm going through? Man, I'm trying to get a job. See, and then all the pressure. Then all of a sudden you feel like the shithead because you're loaning the money or the, or, the, or, or you're, you're the one borrowing it and you feel shitty because you want to pay it back, but you can't pay it back. And now, and you can quote me on this. This is one from the old professor. This is an original. Loyalty ceases to be loyalty when it compromises personal growth. Let me explain. Let me expound. Let me offer a little ray of sunshine into that quote. You got a friend. You, you're loyal. You want to help him. He's down in the dumps. He's down. He's down. He's losing his ass. He can't get anything right. You know, he, he, he just, uh, he's a hard luck Charlie. Okay. He gets a paper cut on a get well card. I mean, the guy can't get anything right. Can't get anything going. Okay. You help him out. He's worth it for sure. He's a cool guy. He's been there for you. You've been there for him. But now if he doesn't try to make himself better and you're busting your ass, trying to help him become better and he's not doing his part and you're, and you're shelling out dough, you're shelling out time, you're shelling out physical effort. You're loaning your car. You're putting your credit out there. You're doing everything you can to get this guy back over the, the Mason Dixon line, the Mendoza line. And he's not doing shit. He's still going out, getting drunk on your dime. Loyalty ceases to be loyalty when it compromises personal growth. You're losing your own effort to become better because you're spending because you're spending all your time trying to make your pal better. And loyalty ceases to become loyalty ceases to be loyalty when it compromises personal growth. Your personal growth is being compromised because you got this loser buddy that won't get his fucking shit together. But you know what? When it comes to friendship, there's you know, you got a close friend, you've been friends for years, you go back and you grew up and uh but what I call is a running pal. Now what I mean by a running pal you don't make a move without the other guy. I mean, you go out, you guys hang out. I mean, you, you, you're out, you know, you're chasing girls together. You're getting drunk together. You're going to the games together. You're shooting pool. You're doing everything, almost everything together. I mean, you're running pals. What are we doing tonight? Where are we going? Let's do this trip. Let's do that trip. That's a running pal. And I've had some great ones over the years. And that's, you put these guys together, you get, and they all got same thing in common. They're, sense of humor, they're honest, they're cool, and they're drunks. So uh, that's a running pal. And then, you know, life goes on, you know, you uh, people move, people get a, get a real job where they got to stay focused and uh, guys get married, you know, wedding bells are breaking up that old gang of mine, you know, the old song. So, you know, and, and best friends I've had, um, four of them in my lifetime, your best friend is your pal. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. I mean, it is, you know, one time Lennon McCartney, you have some of the uh, best friends in history, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, our second and third presidents. They ran against each other. Jefferson beat them. Adams didn't get reelected. You know, they were political enemies. 
but they ended up, they both died on the same day, July 4th, 1826. They used to have couriers. They would write each other letters. They kept in touch for the last about 10, 15 years of their lives. You know, just, I mean, there's been some famous, definitely. You have Thomas Edison and Henry Ford. I mean, <laughs> talk about, uh, <laughs> look at the way they changed our lives. Edison and Ford, woo. And then even in uh, show business, the, the uh, comedic uh, giants, Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett. Oh, man. The things they did together. No. Oh. So. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, you know, they're compared to uh, Zeus and Poseidon, the Greek mythology. You know, when the Beatles came out with Sgt. Pepper in 1967, they came out with the song Ringo Sang Lead. It's a Lennon McCartney composition with a little help from my friends. I get by with a little help from my friends. I'm going to try with a little help from my friends. I'm going to get high with a little help from my friends. With a little help from my friends. Yeah, I know what I do with the money, the money for singing lessons. You know, uh, personal loyalty. Oh, I took a lot of shit for this as a kid. We're sleeping out and it's really cold out. We're sleep. We got sleeping bags. We got the fire. We're drinking beer. We're only about 15, 16 years old. The, the, the drinking age was 18 and you know, we're sleeping and my pal Dale. Okay. He doesn't have a sleeping bag and there's about five or six of us. He says, Dave, you gotta let me in. I said, Oh dude, no man, get out. I don't, you know, you gotta let me in. You gotta let me in. So I had to share a sleeping bag. I let him in. Okay, okay, get in. But you face that way. I face that way. So he gets in. We go to sleep. And man, did I take shit for that. Oh, in the 70s, homophobic teenagers. Oh, I took shit for that. They gave me, they, but I did it because my pal, he was cold. You know, it was, I mean, it was a summer night, but it got down to like 55 or so. And he had, you know, it's either he sleep shares a sleeping bag with me or he sleeps on the ground. So, yeah, man, I mean, there's your, there's an example of loyalty. Another one was when um, buddies of mine, we were bartending at the shark club, Smoof and John. And uh, they didn't want, they didn't want to give us our paychecks and we were going to go to Las Vegas for St. Patrick's day. And, uh, and my pal Smoof says, uh, well, I'm not going to Vegas. if I don't get my paycheck. You know, I'm, not gonna have the money but, uh, and i said well you know we'll work it no no I said, and then i got all pissed off because i really wanted to go to vegas so i take my i got an open bottle. it's after closing i got a bottle of beer i just took a sip out of and i took it and i just oh man sandy koufax would have been proud i mean i hauled it hurled it right like the the shot that exploded the death star i mean Bam! It hit the, uh, a stack of glasses on the uh, glass shelves. I mean, it just right there in the middle. Boom! Hit, <laughs> the whole thing comes down. All right? And, uh, and John walked. I almost hit John. I missed John by about four feet. But, I mean, this, I hurled that thing. And I even threw it off the same uh, foot. I'm left-handed off my uh, left foot. And then, oh, they were, the management obviously were pissed off and they knew it was either John Smoove or myself. And I said, and, and we couldn't, three of us couldn't work until uh, they told which one was going to, you know, who did it. And it was me. 
And I said, look, guys, I, I'll, I'll tell you, know, I'm guilty. I'll do it. And then both smooth. No, you're not. You're not going to say a fucking word. Don't say a word. And uh, they said, we're in the, 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 this place sucks and we're in this together. And um, yeah, they held me. They wouldn't let me tell. I wanted to, I didn't want, I didn't want them to have to take, take the blame for it. But there's a example of loyalty, real great example of loyalty. Then uh, towards like the late nineties, uh, I would, oh man, I was down on my luck. I mean, I, I was eating potatoes and cornflakes. My car broke down, done. I was done with my car. Try, try living in LA without a car. And my buddies, John and Doug, they were there for me. When I was at the lowest point in my life, I was in my mid to late thirties. Let's see, like nine, about, yeah, mid, mid to 36 years old. And I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't have a phone. I'd have to walk up to the pay phone. I had a pager. The only way anybody could get a hold of me is uh, paging me. So I'd have a pager and then I'd walk up about 300 yards and uh, get on the pay phone and uh, had a card number that still worked. The phone was turned off and John would loan me. I was going to Santa Monica college, uh, affectionately known as Pico tech. And I was trying to get ready to transfer into USC. I was trying to uh, get my degree later in life. And John would loan me his truck. Okay. And he was going through a divorce and he was working down on the pier at Big Dean's. And we used to say angry man on the pier, serving wine, serving beer. But I didn't have a car and I needed to get around to go to, uh, to Pico Tech and run errands and stuff. So he'd loan me his truck when I drop him off at work. And, uh, and then he worked at this restaurant on uh, right off the promenade in Santa Monica. And I did, I had, I was broke and he'd call me up paging me. I'd call him. He says, Dave, what are you doing tonight? I said, I don't know, sitting at home. He says, come on down. I'll buy you a drink. And uh, I said, John, I don't have any money. He says, I never stopped you before. So I'd go down, I'd be on the, the blue bus, the Santa Monica blue bus, 50 cents down, 50 cents back. I had a dollar. I'd go in there. John, I was drinking vodka cranberries. I'd probably drink 10 vodka cranberries. John would probably, uh, I, I, I'm assuming he gave me his employee meal, pounded a nice uh, meal, drink. He, the bottom line is he kept me in the game. He kept me in the game called life. I had nothing. And John was there. Years later when I was doing well, probably like seven to 10 years later, and John was really down on his luck. He says, Dave, you have paid me back. I said, no way. I'll never be able to pay you back for what you did to me. Cause it wasn't did for me. And, uh, and then he, he, uh, he kept me in the game. And then Doug, when, uh, when I was, uh, taking action in the, uh, in the nineties, I was blown out of the water. Doug, let me use his place, take the action. And, uh, he, I didn't have a credit card. The internet was just starting out. I'd need a credit card for something. Doug let me use his credit card. I'd just pay him back in cash. And uh, he let me use his place. He helped. He tutored me. He and his fraternity brother, Mike O.C., tutored me to get me into SC, transfer in as a junior, fight on for OSC. And, uh, and I'm telling you, if it wasn't for those guys, If it weren't for those guys, there's no way, no way I ever would have gotten into USC. And John was another one with the, uh, with the credit card. Cause I didn't have one. And, uh, 
and I, he made the, uh, he loaned me his credit, his credit card. So I, if I had to get when I still had my car, the thing was falling apart, but I'd, I'd take it into the garage to get worked on. And John, the only, the only statements on his statement, the only charges on his credit card was uh, the, the garages for my car and all the bars and restaurants that he would go to and get drunk at. <laughs> and he said, yeah, the, uh, the credit card company loves me. <laughs> the, the guy's a drunk and he drives a piece of shit. Oh, they're going to love me forever. So those two, and I've had some great loyal friends, but those two, when I was at my lowest, they were there and nobody else was John and John and Doug. And, you know, with friends, I got going in the, the 2000s. We did the, the Holy Jelly holiday happening. It was a, you do it on the first weekend and uh, Sunday in December. And we raised money for the American Cancer Society. I did it when I lost my brother in 2008 to uh, cancer. Uh, he had a brain tumor. So we'd raise money. And my friends came out and they, I mean, they helped. They put, we did it at various bars. We did 10 of them, 11 technically. But they came out there with their their companies that they worked for, donated stuff, and you know, and I'd I'd pick up the tab on the bar. I mean, we did, we raised a lot. We ended up raising close to about eighty thousand bucks for the American Cancer Society, and it all went there. Nobody took a bite off the top or anything. And we had auctions, we had raffles. It was always the first Sunday, so during we, we could watch football. And my friends came out, and they made me look really good, and I was. You know, I was the, the figurehead, the point man, whatever. But the people, a lot of the people that were a lot more capable of putting things together than I would ever be came, came out, came on board and made it happen. And for that, I'll always, hopefully <laughs> I'll reference it when I'm at the pearly gates. That's a lot about loyalty there. But how about happiness? My childhood friendship, I had a wonderful, wonderful childhood. My first friend, my next door neighbor, George Holden, he was, I was three years old. He was one and a half. And I think that was the basis for friendship, learning how to be a friend. We did it uh, all the forts we built, we built tree forts, we built underground forts, snow forts, cardboard boxes forts. Our, one of our parents would buy a refrigerator. We had this big box. We had, uh, we built uh, blanket forts with the, with the beds. We built every kind of fort imaginable. We played every game. We played ping pong for hours. We played pool. We played Monopoly, Stratego, and we did it all because, and it was about competition, and I was a few years old. He picked up, we did pole vaulting. He picked it up quicker, but because I was a year and a half older, once I got it, then I was better than him. But he, he was better first, easily. And, yeah, he was killed by a fucking drunk driver on a Monday. On a Monday lunch. He went home for lunch. He just recently got married. October, 1988, 25 years old. Yeah. So, but, uh, that was happiness of friendship was, uh, in my younger years. And, and then, you know, as I got older, when I went in the Navy, we, uh, 
my best pal, Cliff White, he was another one of my best. George Holden was one. Pat Gatter was two. Brian was three. Cliff White, four. Those are my four best friends. And I've had, you know, great close friends. But, you know, the, the, the best friend is like boom, boom, side by side. And my pal, Cliff White, Kansas City, Kansas, he, uh, he was on board about uh, maybe six months before I checked aboard the Constellation. And he'd have all these, all these young guys. I was, he was 21. I was 22 when, when I joined a lot of these young kids coming in at 18, coming in from the farmland. They don't know. They hit the fleet and Weirich could always put his arm around them and uh, bring them, take them out. Some of them weren't even, you know, you could drink at the, the Mariners club on uh, you didn't have to be 21 to drink on base or you go down to Tijuana. And Cliff was the kind of guy that he was just, he was an alpha male. He was, he would, he would get those guys. He'd, he'd have his crew and I'd, I'd make fun of them. And, but we were, yeah, we did it overseas. We, we hung out together. We, we met the girls. We got the girls in the PI. We got them in, um, in Singapore, Australia. He almost burned us down uh, in a hotel room. He almost set the hotel room on fire, the drunken bastard. But, the friendship that we had and we, oh man, you talk about friendship, working in the Navy, working together, sleeping in the birthing, eating, standing duty on, uh, on Liberty, hitting the different, uh, lands, the foreign lands. Oh man, you, you, you're there. I mean, you were just about every aspect of your life you're sharing when you're on board a ship and you're hanging with your shipmates. It doesn't, I mean, it is everything. Working, working those 30 hour days out at sea, oh, 12 hours on, 12 hours off, seven days a week, minimum out at sea, minimum. And then, and then when I got out, I, I got into bartending and bartending with, with friends, the happiness, it is just, the jokes, the, uh, talking about the pretty girls, the, the, the making the, the drinking behind the bar the, the and then you'd 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 have guys come in other bartenders from other places around in the in the neighborhood and uh, we'd take care of them and then we'd go in their place and they'd throw our money back your money's no good here you're not paying for this and they not even close to trying to tip them they wouldn't take it that's the the bartending uh creed code uh way of life when uh you got you know bartenders you're in it long enough and you hang in the different places. <laughs> One bartender, if he has to, if he works in a place where he's got to take it, then he, he will not take a tip. He'll, you say, just pay for the drink and don't tip me. And you, and you try and he'll throw it back. That's a certain, uh, that's a happiness, a loyalty and, and whatever else you want to put in there. But uh, those days were fun. Bartending was great. <laughs> My love life was never easier than uh, being behind the bar. I was born to be behind bars. Hey. And then uh, sadness. Sadness with friends. Yeah. Is uh, pretty. Uh, we had uh, neighbors when I grew up with. You know, George was my next door neighbor. The, the house over was uh, Pews. And uh, they moved out. They were the first family friends I made that moved. And they left. I was 10 years old. I remember it was August, 1971. They moved to Florida and then later came up to North Carolina. And, uh, you know, they'd come up and visit every once in a while, but it was really, I, I said, and I was scared out of my wits. I said, mom, dad, we're not moving. Are we? I don't want to move. 
I don't want, I want to stay here. Fortunately, we didn't move. And, uh, you know, in sadness, like you got a friend and he or you yourself, you get knee deep in a girlfriend and, uh, and you no longer, you know, once again, wedding bells are breaking up that old gang of mine or, you know, just a girlfriend. And, you know, then he's got to make time between you being a, being a running pal. And then he's, you know, he's got somebody he really likes. He's got a babe, you know, Hey, she's nice. I like doing things with her. And my buddy, John, who I spoke about earlier, he, he, uh, when he got married, he tried and he really, tr cause he, you know, he was a good husband, but he always still tried to be the running pal. And John had a lot of friends. There's another alpha male. And it was tough. It was tough on his marriage. You know, I used to, and I, I'd knock on his door. Hey, John, let's go. You know, I, I wasn't even thinking I was selfish. I wasn't even thinking about his wife and I love his wife. His wife is, a, uh, was, it was, and is a very, very upstanding, decent, attractive, cool lady. And, but it didn't work out. And John was trying to be the, trying to be the best guy he could to everybody around him. And, uh, that's what, it, um, you know, building the picket fence and doing shots of tequila. Done, not going to work. Not going to work. And I said after that, I said, I will never, anytime my friends get married, I don't know, I'm not married. I may get married. There's got to remember, there's three rings in a, in a marriage. There's the engagement ring, there's the wedding ring, and there's suffering. Hey! But um, I said, uh, any of my friends get married, I'm not calling them anymore. They want to get a beer, they call me because I'm not getting on any of my friends' wives' shit list because most all my friends' wives are friends of mine and I respect them and I appreciate them and I want them to live happily ever after. So, um, and then it's always sad when um, when you lose a friend and uh, and I'll use John again as an example. He uh, took me, uh, he, he got cancer, died. He was 56 and he battled it for five years. The guy was a scrapper. I mean, <laughs> he was getting in fights in his forties and uh, he, he was a scrapper and he didn't, he fought that tooth and nail. He did it. He fought it for five years and he passed. And you know what? It took me, it took me about four years to accept it. I couldn't accept it. I'd get drunk. I'd go home watching football. I'd sit at my desk. I'd start thinking about all the times we had and I just start bawling like a baby, but I finally, I'll, I'll never get over it, but I accepted it. And, and then John, John, we're here. He's get over it. I've been gone for four years. Move the fuck on. No doubt. He would say that. And, uh, so, but yeah, and I lost, um, in another episode that I'll be talking about, about drunk driving, I lost four good friends to drunk driving in the eighties. They were all in their twenties. One of them was my buddy, George, who I mentioned earlier, uh, two killed themselves accident on a, obviously on a motorcycle. One was, uh, you know, negotiated with a Winnebago and lost head on. And the other one was George and they, they never, they never got a chance to find out what life was about getting out of their twenties. They uh, never know what it was like if they were going to be a winner or a loser. And I can tell you, um, that's why 
you know, they, it is, it is said, I mean, I plan on living to be a hundred 60 down 40 to go, but you know, one of the pitfalls drawbacks, lousy, uh, way of, of for doing that is if you're going to live to be a hundred, you're going to see a lot of people not, and you're going to have to deal with it. So there's a few examples of where I'm coming from. Professor Goodlife, what I believe, my attitude, my outlook, what makes the good life part of it, the formula, the recipe. And in these following episodes, we'll keep digging into answering the question, what is the good life? What makes the good life? That will do it for this week's episode of the Professor Good Life Show. Until next week, stay healthy, stay productive, stay cool, stay happy. <laughs>